You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vincent Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 121 of the Comic Book Informer, coming to you on the 30th of April. And along with me is Roger. How you doing this week, man? I'm doing all right. As long as we don't have to record video, I'm good. Then the episode will work. <laughs> well, that's not 100% true. <laughs> Lately, it is. Cut me some slack. For those wondering, we tried recording a video. Well, we didn't try. We recorded a, a <laughs> we gaming video for our other site, Internet Dragons TV, and Fraps just went ballistic on me, and it's stupid. I don't like it. <laughs> so we kind of lost the all the video. You, you know, did it wrong. I didn't do it wrong. Listen, dude, I was positive I stopped the recording, but even if I hadn't, they shouldn't, Fraps shouldn't treat the files as it's recording as temporary files that it deletes when it closes. It should stop, say it stop recording and save what it's done so far. Stupid. I think it was put up by freaking Microsoft or something. <laughs> okay, I feel better now. Okay. <laughs> uh, before we get into it this week, I just wanted to touch very briefly. Uh, we got news yesterday that uh, Comics Alliance has actually been shut down uh, by their parent company, AOL. And I like if anybody noticed uh, on my Twitter, like I this really hurt me because Comics Alliance is the rare website that I actually respected. Like as a as somewhat of a writer myself, like I've really enjoyed just about everything they put out because they weren't so much a news site. You know, they weren't doing like the like we see on so many other websites of, you know, these puffball interviews with softball questions. No, they, they were a website that was really out there and really trying their hardest to make comics be better. They were always the, you know, the first voice in the argument in stuff like uh, gender roles in comics, minorities, both as characters and as creators. I learned so much from that website because they had a very diverse staff that brought in a number of points of views that I was not aware of to comics. So uh, with that voice going away, uh, currently I don't think there's really anything in the comics internet medium that can replace them at this point. See, I didn't go to them quite as often. I did go to them some though, but not quite as often, but that's just because I don't really troll comic book websites or that much. But uh, but it is sad to, like anytime you have something where um, they're bringing something positive to the community and it's ended because of dollars, because micro or AOL just doesn't want to do it anymore, that's too bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you, the one thing I also liked about it was they, you know, they weren't just you know good, legitimately good journalists. They also didn't forget that comics are supposed to be fun too. So they they had a great balance of you know the really serious stuff that people should read, but also you know goofy movie reviews, you know fun little you know homemade comic strips. Great uh, respect to you know art in comics, and they they had this great cosplay gallery every week. Like it was just a great site to go th- go to that was very different from anything else out there. Yeah, hopefully the, the, the writers and everybody get on their feet somewhere else. Mm-hmm. All right, well, as for our actual discussion this week, we have another grouping of number ones spread across several companies this time. And the first one we're going to start with is DC. We had Constantine number one come out last month, uh, written by Ray Fox and Jeff Lemire, art by Renato Guedes and Marcelo Maiolo. And 
and I I kind of had a hard time with this just because I had so much previous experience with the Vertigo version of Hellblazer. So I'm kind of more curious to see what you thought of this one. See, what's funny is that before it came out, you had already slammed it and that you weren't in much of a, a rush to to read it and you assumed it was going to be terrible and all that. So I kind of went in with it with that idea that, you know, it's it's not going to be good kind of thing. And I had not been reading the old one. So this to me was, you know, relatively fresh. And and I went into it and I didn't mind it actually. I mean, it's it's nothing terribly original, let's be honest, but it was still all right. I didn't mind it at all. The art was beautiful. The the writing was good. I again, for for what it was for somebody who doesn't have a previous opinion of what the characters should be, I enjoyed it. I actually didn't hate it. There you <laughs> I go. Mean, it it's a different take on the character. I mean, being rolled into the core DC universe, he obviously can't be as edgy as he was in Vertigo. I, I still think he's a little too nice. I mean, you can still give him like that that jerk attitude, you know, that world weariness that he'd seen. Uh, but I mean, again, Hellblazer was an older version of the character as well. This is still a, a rather young Constantine who hasn't quite seen as much. So you know, hopefully if this... <laughs> If this doesn't get canceled, yeah, really. you know, maybe maybe we can see him grow and, you know, see a few things to kind of wear him down as a character because it, it was it was decent. Like, I like that they're not using him so much as a hero. Uh, he's he's not quite as much in it for himself as he, he always was with Hellblazer. But I, I like that they're using him as kind of like a balancing scale. Like he he knows that. You know, you know, the good guys are there for a reason, but, you know, somebody also has to kind of keep an eye and make sure that uh, nothing gets too far out of whack. And I think that's an interesting role for Constantine to take in DC. Right. Okay. Well, again, from the noob's point of view on this one, because I didn't really keep track of the other series, again, from uh, somebody who's going into it brand new, it was fun. I, I, I'm not going to say it was phenomenal, of course, but it was fun. It was good. I, I would read it again, I, like uh, the next issues. I can, in the DC lineup, I mean, not bad is, is know, top fifteen, top ten. Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, moving into Marvel, we have the new Wolverine number one, not to be confused with Savage Wolverine number one. Uh, this one is written by Paul Cornell with art by Alan Davis, Mark Farmer, and Matt Hollingsworth, and uh, it's just pretty generic, right? Very, very. And I read the second one as well because it ties into the story that's going on. And it's very, nothing really spectacular, nothing that jumps out at you here at all, at all, at all. Especially if we have two Wolverine comics on the shelves and you know, not like that's a terribly original thing. There's, you know, 10,000 Wolverine comics on the shelves every month, but you at least kind of have to do something interesting. I, I think I think we said this before, but Wolverine has pretty much reached the point as a character where unless something really radical happens, he doesn't have a lot to offer as a solo act anymore. Well, I mean, say what we will about um, Savage Wolverine, which is bad. I'm sorry, it is. But at least it was an original concept. Toss him, well, I mean, within reason, but I mean, it's something different. Toss him in the Savage Lands and see what can happen there kind of thing. Have a little story arc separate from everything else that's going on. So it's, you know, it's different enough. Um, whereas this is just another hero that could be like a, a story that could be in any of the series. It's nothing spectacular. It's not like when he went to hell kind of thing. It's just the story did nothing for me. 
Mm-hmm. And this was kind of like my least favorite type of Wolverine comic where he he's basically just a crash test dummy. It's like, oh, we have a guy who, you know, he has a healing factor so we can, you know, d- destroy him left and right. Like, but at, after a point, it becomes comical instead of, you know, making him seem like a badass. It's just like, oh, what what's going to happen now? Oh, his face was blown off. Oh, he's run over by a car. It, it, it reaches a point where it's not it's not even entertaining anymore. And it's not consistent either. I mean, if we look in the series and, and what was it where he got Thor's freaking hammer plowed him down and it's taken him days to heal from that kind of thing. Meanwhile, here he's obliterated parts of him <laughs> to the bone and he regrows in a matter of a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. So again, it's not consistent. If you're going to make that big of a deal about this ability, at least get it right. Everybody's on the same page with it. Now, I will admit at uh, C2E2 this past weekend, they were talking about uh, Wolverine. And the second story arc uh, is actually going to be called Killable. They're once again removing Wolverine's healing factor. So I, I guess some of the promo artwork they released for it was pretty cool looking. So I don't know. It, I'm going to give it a shot, you know, a few months down the line just to see what they do with that because we've seen it before and it's always an entertaining twist on on the typical Wolverine story when they pull that. Yeah, but it it takes away what he is as well. I mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily want it taken away. I just want it done better. Is sure. what it boils down to. So, we'll have to wait and see what they do with this. Yeah. All right. Next up, also from Marvel, we have Guardians of the Galaxy number one by written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Steve McNiven, John Dell, and Justin Ponsor. And again, great art in this issue. Oh Steve McNiven is just <laughs> phenomenal. Although I really don't like Star-Lord's new costume. I loved his old costume uh, from the previous Guardians of the Galaxy run. And this one just looks kind of goofy to me. But again, I'm, I'm the Guardians of the Galaxy guy here. So I, I'm more interested in your point of view. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Again, this is, again, we're, we're, we're falling in a lot of the same ruts here with series where it's nothing original. So there's not much original here. But it's giving the backstory kind of stuff so that I can get caught up and people like me that are the, the audience intended for this, like the people coming in from the movies you were saying too. Um, so it's allowing me to get caught up with some of the things that I'm not familiar with and maybe not hate Rocket Raccoon quite as much. <laughs> Although I'm enjoying him a lot more in Nova than I am in this. I, I'll, I'll go so far as to say Rocket even kind of annoyed me in issue two. So, yeah. So, but no, it, it was all right. It was it was good. It kept me reading. It was mm-hmm. well written, obviously, and the art again the, blew me away. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> and again, compare the uh, costume of Gamera in this to uh, yes <laughs> to Nova. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I noticed that right away. <laughs> so yeah, they've given her some proper clothing, and I and I. I I really enjoy all the like the little details, you know, when they're jumping out into space, you know, they have different variations, you know, they're wearing a suit, you know, they have the little, little rocket booster stuff that you don't always see in comics. It's just, they just kind of hand wave away like, yeah, they know what they're doing. So it's the little details with the artwork that I really enjoyed. The story was fun. I liked the interactions off the bat with uh, Peter and his father. <laughs> that, that was interesting. And it's just a cool story that they set up of, you know, the galactic empires have declared earth off limits. Well, if, nobody is going to be going to earth. That means there's also nobody there to defend earth. And as we see, especially the second issue, uh, the second issue was action packed top to bottom. Did you read it yet? No. Oh, just nonstop front page to back page, nonstop action of the guardians defending earth from the Badoon. And it was really, really well done. Yeah. I will definitely be picking it up. I am. I'm going to keep reading this. It was that good. 
Mm-hmm. And like we said before, it's a very smart decision to at least initially be uh, bringing Iron Man into the team because it gives non-fans something that they can hold on to and kind of recognize. I See, I don't know about that because I actually would have been all right with him not being in it. But then I'm not a massive Iron Man fan. I mm-hmm. mean, it really depends in how he's written. That is what determines whether or not I'll really like it. I'm sure he'll be a, a good foil to these characters, especially with, say, Rocket Raccoon and Gamora and stuff like that. So he'll be a good foil to them. So that's going to be interesting to read. Mm-hmm. So that was the big thing that uh, the Marvel Cosmic Comics had previously, as fantastic as they were, at least in my opinion. Not a lot of people read them because, as we've seen so many times in comics, most fans don't care about, you know, the second tier. So somebody, you know, putting somebody like Iron Man in there gives it a higher profile that at least initially hopefully will boost sales to get people into it so that they can then tell their story with their characters. So from a business standpoint, I, I am definitely okay sense. with it. Yeah, it makes sense. All right, away from the big guys, and we're, well, we're moving to the other big guy these days because the next two comics are from Image. And the first one is Five Ghosts, The Haunting of Fabian Gray, written by Frank (laughs) Frank J. Barbary, (laughs) art by Chris Mooneyham and S.M. Vidari. And this is another one. uh, Every comic this week has had really good artwork. And this one was in a completely different style, but it worked so well for the premise they were selling. And... I'll, I'll go so far as I, the, the actual setup of the comic and a lot of the storytelling was pretty generic. We have uh, Fabian Gray as our main character, and through interactions with a uh, you know, hidden artifact, he has been possessed by the ghosts of five great literary characters. We have Merlin the Wizard, Robin Hood, Sherlock Holmes, Dracula, and some sort of samurai character. I'm not quite recognizing who he's supposed to be. I'm saying it's but, Lone Wolf and Cub. It's Lone Wolf. Yeah. That's what I'm well, going with, that's just the great for fun. Thing <laughs> is, and I'm going to jump ahead in my thought process here. When he's channeling the various ghosts and able to use their powers, the artwork shifts to match a certain style. Like in when he's Dracula, the, the it's a lot darker. It's really drawn like a horror comic. And the one scene we saw here in the first issue, the second time he uh, used the samurai powers when he was fighting the uh, the natives in Africa, it was drawn at least uh, panel layouts and stuff. It looked like something out of Lone Wolf and Cub. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was <laughs> the art style fit this series so beautifully, so perfectly. It was it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. And I, I love how they're, they're pulling out a lot of the uh, like the really old school, like campy style stuff, like, you know, the like the 50s and 60s comics of like, you know, the, the adventurer and with the way that the, the covers and the, the, the teasers for the next issues, it, it's got this great old school style to it, telling a, a very intriguing story. Like I said, it's not you know, earth shattering, but there, there's just enough mystery there to keep you wanting to know more. The characters are fun. And especially when, you know, Fabian, we, we still haven't seen what he's capable of, but he's got this great host of powers. And again, issue two was another one here where we see a further evolution of stuff. And the issue two was phenomenal as well. Ah, See, I haven't gotten to that one yet. (laughs) (laughs) What I loved about this too, was that when you looked at it, and again, it's, it's, 
it's both the the writing in terms of how it was put together, but the art as well. Um, when you're looking at some of these scenes, when they're 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 coming down in their little propeller plane kind of thing, and these sweeping um, vistas where you're looking at the the desert or wherever it is that they're landing, kind of thing, and it has this very Indiana Jones feel mm-hmm. to it kind of thing and for me having grown up when those movies first came out and having had such a love affair with them for so many years it just kind of sucked me in and it didn't matter if I knew these characters or not it just it was an environment that I could really get behind and then of course before you even get to that with all of the the literary references even though they're not shoved down your throat it's enough that for me because i have quite a large library i read a lot uh it's nice. It's nice seeing them pull from something that's different than just, you know, other comic book characters are bringing them in. They're, they're, they're touching into our world, our reality. So they're crossing that bridge there, which is what makes it a lot of fun as well. And it's not like they're, they're, they're waving their flag and trying to draw attention to it. They're never specifically called Sherlock yeah. Holmes or, or Merlin, but yeah, you can extrapolate, you know, their famous literary characters and the way they're drawn clearly indicates who they're who supposed they to be. So it's not like they're even using it to try and draw in like extra, you know, press or, or buzz about it. It's just that is the way they're doing their comic book. Yeah. Yeah, I really was surprised at how much I was. I enjoyed this. Like, that's, really surprised. This is one of those comics where I hear so many people talking about it. You know, the week it comes out, and I was like, ah, I, I, this this is a coin toss because sometimes I, I'm surprised because something like you know Manhattan Projects, and other times it's just something awful like you know some of this valiant crap I, I went through a couple months ago. So like. All right, I'll give it a shot, shot. and yeah. <laughs> I, I was not disappointed. Yeah, definitely. No, it was very good. All right, and sticking with Image, we have East of West, number one, written by Jonathan Hickman, art by his frequent collaborator Nick Dragata, as well as Frank Martin, and this sure was a Hickman comic, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Takes me a while to figure out what in the hell is this supposed to be? What is going on here? But once it all came together, man, I was hooked. Because it takes place in the year 2064 in a very different vision of America. Uh, During the time of the Civil War, there's a lot of uh, prophecy and stuff going around to the point where a a comet actually crashes in the middle of America. That brings a lot of people to their senses. And they actually divide America up into seven different nations, the seven nations of America. You have the Union, of course, in the Northeast and the Confederacy in the Southeast. You have the Kingdom kind of in the Midwest. Armistice is a a very central area right around where the comet landed. The Endless Nation is your uh, Indian uh, Great Plains country across the entire uh, central of of the continent. The Republic of Texas is, of course, Texas and the PRA, uh, something I don't know exactly what it stands for, but it's basically a, a Chinese uh, immigrant nation out on the West Coast. So it, this was pretty nuts. And I was like, okay, going along with it. But we come to find out that a lot of the story revolves around the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And right off the bat, we see three of them reborn with the fourth one missing. And that's where the story transitions into following around the horsemen of death who has somehow been broken away from his brothers and seeing that story unfold has made this very intriguing. I agree. I agree. It was, again, taking a concept that's been around for a long time and used a lot kind of thing. Hell, we're seeing similar things with what uh, Reminder's doing right now kind of thing. Um, but no, it's it's 
it was a lot of fun to read. I enjoyed this a lot as well. And and again, once again, the, the art is phenomenal. Um, we've gotten used to this team already with what they're doing with other stuff. So it, I don't know, it kind of felt familiar and it was, I, I've gotten used to with Hickman that just hang in there. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you're, if stuff is not making sense right away, kind of thing, just just give it a minute, go with it. Eventually, it will, and it's worth the ride. And this is no exception. Mm-hmm. It's it was just so great seeing you know the various nations. They all have again looking forward through the second issue, which I've also read. Seeing how they're very unique in their styles and their cultures, and all kinds of interesting things with. And you get these great, this great blend of sci-fi with classic Western, and you know that that just rings a lot of bells for both of us oh, in yeah, happy yeah. ways. <laughs> yeah, the, there are some of these scenes like when they're in the um, the saloon there, and they take down everybody that's in there. And I mean, that could have been a an episode of Firefly at some point. Not not quite as violent, <laughs> but the setting <laughs> and everything. Um, it, it was it was a setting that we recognize that we've seen before. That's fun to read. And they've made death an interesting character. Oh, yeah. They, they, we've seen you know so many interpretations of it over the years in various mediums. And I, I love his just calm, you know, like he knows he's the most menacing thing in the room at any given time, but it's not overbearing. He's just very confident of himself. And I, I love that interpretation. Well, to the point where he's not even the one that does most of the, the damage. He lets his crew do it for him. <laughs> and they're cool. <laughs> when she turns around at one point and says she would have taken his eyes, the other guy, the bartender. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of really cool stuff coming out right now, both uh, in Big Two and elsewhere. Superhero stuff, non-superhero stuff. It, never be afraid to try out something new. And we, we definitely saw this here. Constantine was a big question mark. We tried it out. We liked it. Guardians of the Galaxy was something Roger wasn't even remotely interested in. Turns out he was digging it. And two previously unknown comics that are absolutely fantastic. So get out there, check out something new every once in a while. I think that it's safe to say that, and it's not just to, to pour a lot of love on Image, although they deserve it, quite frankly, that when a new number one, a new series comes out from Image, it's almost always worth it just to even just to try that number one. Just see if it's going to be something that you really enjoy because there are so many good things coming out of there. All right. Well, you can try the new one they're launching this week because it's written by J. Michael Straczynski and I'm not crossing that bridge. (laughs) You might like it. It would be a miracle. (laughs) Just you wait. (laughs) One day there'll be a Leafield series that you like there. Oh, what a sad day. That <laughs> yeah. be. All right. Anyway, for what we're reading this week. Uh, first of all, I want to talk about Justice League Dark because it's, of course, tying in with Constantine as he's a member of that team. And it's written by the same creative team as well. Uh, they took over recently. So that's why they, you know, with DC's hand waving of why they're switching around their creative teams when they decided they wanted, uh, who was it, Fox and Lemire to write Constantine because they were also writing Justice League Dark. And with the whole Trinity thing coming up, I at least kind of need feel that I need to be aware of what's going on in the other Justice Leagues. So I went to check it out, and I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, It was a lot more interesting than previous issues I've tried to read. The team is a lot more condensed now. There's not so many crazy personalities going around. And one of the team members is Frankenstein. And I find it really hard to hate a comic that's starring Frankenstein. (laughs) I will agree with you on that. All right, moving away from that, Uncanny Avengers, despite the the little hiccup it had a a couple months ago, it's just so fantastic. And 
I don't, I don't think I've ever seen this in the history of comic books. Reminder is telling a time travel story that makes sense. <laughs> okay, well, hold on a second here. Yeah, see, it might make sense to you, but some of what's going on here, I'm, I'm still kind of going like, okay, dude, what the hell? Where are some of these people coming from? So it's not making sense to everybody. All right, well, so, such as what? Because... Well, as- these freaking... Uh, the, 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 the heirs of Archangel, where did they came from, come from? Those were the ones that Pestilence gave birth to, and they're, they've now come back <gasps> okay. after being raised in the future. Right, right, right. right. Okay. Now, again, I might not be following exactly along because I missed a few things here and there. But, but the way he laid the seeds in previous issues of you yeah. know, going back and telling the story about, you know, the young, hot-headed Thor, you know, enchanting his axe, and then the way that turns around, and how we see, you know, Kang the Conqueror has been manipulating events to his own ends, but as we know from the flashback, or the flash-forward, I think it was issue four or five, you know, that doesn't end very well for Kang either. So this is all coming together in that typical Reminder style. Of, you know, like we were talking about with Hickman, you kind of just have to go with it. It's kind of the same thing with Reminder. You just kind of have to go with it and know that at some point it's all going to come to a head. Yeah, yeah. No, that I know. I don't know. It's just every once in a while there's a little something going on and I'm going, okay, I'm sure this made sense to you, <laughs> Reminder, but <laughs> I'm finding it hard to make that leap. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, I know it's always worth it because I do enjoy his story so much. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Uncanny X-Men, uh, issue five, started a new story arc focusing on Ileana, which is great. Uh, I love that character. And we're finally seeing, you know, what's the downside to her powers because as we saw, everybody else has issues with their powers, but Magic loves what's going on with her until you know, everything runs amok. She gets sucked into limbo, has to deal with Dormammu. But what really made this stand out for me was the art by Fraser Irving. Fraser Irving did everything here. Pencils, inks, colors, everything. And he does not get a lot of mainstream work. I, I'm only familiar with him from a few titles I've read, but my God, it's gorgeous. And it's a perfect fit for the type of story they're telling here. Yeah. I liked it too. I actually read it just yesterday. And what I liked about it too is that, you know, Colossus's powers are a little out of whack. Means that he's going to be only partially metal, you know. Uh, Emma's out of whack a little bit. She can't read minds. Ileana's is out of whack. You're going to limbo. Everybody's going and having to deal with demons. (laughs) It's a much larger scale problem. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. All right, and then finally, Ultimate Spider-Man. Did you read the latest issue, 22? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. God, yes. Bendis. <laughs> you oh, bastard. Oh, man. <laughs> like, we're not going to touch on the actual story, but, oh, Bendis. Yeah, but it was only a matter of time. Let's be honest. Yes. You can't have a Spider-Man without there being insane heartache for the character, and that's what's happening. So I was fully expecting something to this degree to happen. Just the little, you know, twist as to how it happens. Um, that's, that's what I didn't know what, what he'd be doing with it. But it, it was only a matter of time. And what I find really interesting is, as, as we saw at the end of this comic, Miles has quit being Spider-Man. Issue 23 actually jumps a full year into the future where he's still not Spider-Man. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, so that's that's some really nuts things going down there. Okay, cool. So yeah. Now, now we get to see, you know, after dedicating himself to a year of not being Spider-Man, what's it going to take for him to put the mask back on again? Well, see, this is something that we had talked about as well, too, where we were saying because of everything that was going on in the regular canon for Spider-Man that for Ultimate, they really, okay, like, 
give us something here more than what we'd been getting and that's what's happening Mm -hmm. but that that the end of that issue when you know he woke up in the morning and walked out into the kitchen and there was ganky and his mom and it was oh bendis yeah I agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What have you got for us this week? Uh, I have got... Okay. I read... I know you don't care, but I read the third... I care. You don't care. Um, the third issue of this, Five Weapons Again. I'm still mm-hmm. digging it. I love the characters. I love how it's being written. The, the art is phenomenal. I mean, this guy is doing everything. This uh, Jimmy Robinson, he's uh, written and illustrated and lettered by him. The only thing I would say is uh, I'm a little disappointed and, and I'm by disappointed. I mean like very, very little. The, um, the coloring, though very good throughout in most parts, it has a, a look of being done like when you're looking at the dark colors, almost like in pencil crayons, like the, the silhouettes, you can see the cross hatching and everything. It's a little off. I mean, other than that, the art is stellar it's really and i'm enjoying the story i'm enjoying this pacifist attitude this pacifist character in a school for weapons training so i'm still loving it i really enjoyed it i know you don't care um what else did it i wrote down what i was going to talk about skull kickers skull kickers okay you checked see it was in there i know i just had to pull it up I'm doing so many things at the same time. Shut up. Um, so, yes, I got caught up on Skull Kickers. I read um, Savage as well as Mighty. Um, so if uh, if folks haven't read those yet, they're the part two and part three of the ADIs on an even, Evil Island story arc. And did you read them both? Oh, yeah. Just fantastic. Just, oh, my God. So you're, you're seeing the trials and, and tribulations that the baldy has to go through as well as a lot more now with what's going on with the dwarf. He's no longer just floating around in space or in, uh, in nowhere in the water. He, you find out what's going on with him going like as if he's going to go to hell. And I, I love the I'm list. To interrupt. The I list. love once he got <laughs> yes. to hell, the narrator that they killed off in issue 17 was there. there yes. <laughs> Every little thing about this was fantastic. All of those little things like that. The reading off all of the things that he's done in his life. And I think it's one of these massive cartoonishly long lists. The I love the he's now immortal. You know, that they tossed in there. (laughs) And it's a great way of putting it in. It was fun. It's just kind of, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. And uh, and then the stuff with Baldi and the elf and the apes too. Again, fun romp there. So, no, these two issues were absolutely fantastic. And I especially liked in, I think it was in Mighty. Um, yeah, at the very end, how they included the pictures that the artist was using for mm-hmm. some of the reference stuff. I mean, embarrassing the hell out of those people, no doubt. But I thought it was great, and it's nice to see. Well, we, we've seen so much uh, discussion in recent years months uh, especially about photo referencing with artwork because this is something we talked about in Iron Man with Greg Land where he literally traces pictures when he's doing his art and like oh how's that any different from you know any other photo referencing well this is how it's different you can photo reference to get angles and you know figure out how to exactly to draw you know that arm in that position without having to trace the picture so that it looks exactly the same this is the difference is is that he's using uh in the same way that you would use those little wooden marionette kind of things Mm -hmm. to put them in poses so that you have an idea of how to do the the um 
all of the angles and everything like that. So there's a huge, huge difference. Yeah, I read the uh, last Iron Man 2 with Greg Line again, and it was like, everybody's smile is the same. <laughs> it's like, everybody looks identical. So, yeah. Um, lastly, the last, uh, actually, no, not lastly. I read Nova, number three that you were talking about. God mm-hmm. damn. Fantastic. <laughs> Holy crap. I, I, I've actually heard Jeff Loeb is leaving it. Ah, this okay. is the first time in my life I haven't wanted Jeff Loeb to leave a comic book. Yes, dude. I'm really digging it. I liked it. Um, uh, the Last Wolverine, where we now wind up going back to Wolverine and his peeps. Back oh, okay. to Savage Island. <laughs> you have to Because there was kind of like the little switch there where there was the him and, and Susan Storm kind of stuff going on. So now they're finishing off the story arc with the kids on the island and, and what's happening there kind of thing. So, it's all right. I mean, it's one of those movie moments where that school comes all together except for the one and, and they... <laughs> band together and now he has faith in him. Okay. All right. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the next story arc is going to be. I'm kind of happy that this one's done because I really didn't have much use for it. I wanted to see more of ID and Brew living in their cave. That would have been friggin' awesome. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they did show that, you know, there, there is some of Brew still in there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I liked when he was talking, Wolverine was telling them what, what had to be done and where he's going. And he's like, <laughs> you better be in there. So, Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's all for That's it, yeah. Okay, so as for this week's new releases, Marvel brings us Age of Ultron number seven, All New X-Men number 11, a quick side point of a buddy of mine who hadn't been reading comics in a while, decided to just in some spare time stop into a comic shop, and he liked the artwork in All New X-Men, so he picked up the first three or four issues. And then he went back the next day and bought Bought all the rest. rest. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We also have Hawkeye number 10, Indestructible Hulk number 7, Iron Man number 9, Red She-Hulk number 65, Superior Spider-Man number 9, Thanos Rising number 2, which you are very interested in, Ultimate X-Men number 26, X-Factor number 255, and X-Men Legacy number 10. God. That is too much freaking win in there. <laughs> All right. DC brings us Animal Man, Detective Comics, and Swamp Thing, number 20, Earth 2, number 12, and uh, one of their new number ones, The Movement. What the hell is that? Uh, it's like working class superheroes. It's written by Gail Simone, so I'm going to give it a shot. Oh, okay. And from the rest of the guys, Boom Studios brings us Hypernaturals, number 11, and Suicide Risk, number one, which actually drew my interest because Mike Carey is writing it, and I've always been a fan of Mike Carey. Uh, We most recently saw him. He did all the X-Men Legacy stuff before the relaunch. We have from Dark Horse, 47 Ronin, number four, and from Image, Invincible Universe, number two. Keeping all that in mind, we also have a great weekend ahead of us because this weekend uh, sees the release of the Iron Man 3 movie in uh, North America, as well as this Saturday is free comic book day. I forgot last year, so I'm not forgetting to tell you guys ahead of time this year. I didn't realize that. Crap. Okay. (laughs) Glad you reminded (laughs) me. Pencil that into the calendar, huh? Yes, definitely. Definitely. So uh, be sure to join us back here next week where I'm sure we're going to be talking about Free Comic Book Day. But until then, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. And thanks for listening. <laughs>